What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Super Wildcard Weekend Preview Show. I will have a parlay for you guys throughout these six games. I am Cole Haight. This is the All In Man Cave Podcast. We're also going to do, besides picking the games, kind of going through some of these matchups for Super Wildcard Weekend. A lot of people talking crap on the name Super Wildcard Weekend, but to be honest, with adding all the, the slate, adding to the slate with the extra teams... It's a great transition, honestly, from having a full slate to having a semi-half slate uh, when normally there would only be a few games. These games are spread uh, between Saturday, Sunday, and there's also a Monday night game as well. Wish that game was earlier since I'm off of work uh, for Martin Luther King Day. Shout out to Martin Luther King. But th- listen, this this is a great weekend. There's some great matchups. Uh, we got some weather impact. We got some quarterbacks that we're going to see what the heck is going on with these matchups. And I've got a parlay. There will be some money lines in the parlay. We're in the playoffs uh, clearly all year since we haven't had a parlay hit. It's been rough going against the spread with over-unders. Uh, but there's some money lines in here. There's some over-unders in here. And there's a few spreads in here, so uh, we're going to take a look at all the games, uh, and then after, we will have our special coaching vacancy uh, uh, NFL mix-in match is what I'm calling it, a little segment of the podcast uh, picked between a bunch of different coaches that are available out there and which ones I think that are going to be really good uh, or really interesting fits uh, for these football teams. So let's hop right in. Let's Let's start talking right now about the first matchup of the weekend for wildcard weekend is the Raiders are at the Bengals. Uh, this game itself to me uh, seems like it's going to be completely driven by the quarterbacks. Derek Carr is putting this team on his back uh, for multiple weeks to sneak them into the playoffs. Very impressive year even if the Raiders come out on the wrong end of this game uh, for not only Derek Carr for him being able to have this team stay focused enough to win games uh, uh, at the in the final stretch of the regular season but also for Rick Bisaccia and 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 to come in as an interim and and basically take this team uh, that was completely in shambles, not only on the field, uh, but also off the field in terms of what was happening with their players, uh, what was happening with their head coach at the beginning of the season. We don't have to go into the specifics again uh, because we talked about it multiple times on this podcast with Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, and and all the other issues that they've had uh, with personnel on their team. Um, but let's see what happens. Derek Carr has played well. Now, there will be weather that impacts this game. Uh, it's going to be cold. It's in Cincinnati. Derek Carr is historically not a good quarterback in bad weather. However, based on the way his team's been playing right now, this game is probably going to be pretty close uh, from what I'm looking at. Now, the defensive inconsistencies for both of these teams is also going to drive the way this game kind of plays out. Cincinnati's defense decides to show up, and then they decide to have a stinker every once in a while. The The Raiders' defense has played very well, especially the last month of the season. Uh, but if you go back only a month and a half ago, they were giving up a lot of big plays. The pass rush seemed like it was non-existent for a few games during the year. Uh, and this game, very important that that does not happen uh, because Joe Burrow is having an almost MVP-like season. Uh, and they have a lot of weapons. Uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Tyler Boyd. They, they got the huge, the big guy I keep talking about, C.J. Uzumoa. Uh, the t- at tight end, they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm just worried about the Raiders and how their secondary and their linebacking core is just going to get these people manned up. 
Like I don't. They're they're the the Las Vegas Raiders in terms of their linebackers. They don't cover well. They're not terrible. A kind of run of the mill, average in the pack, so to speak. And and it's and and vice versa. Also on on the Cincinnati side of the ball for defense. Now they 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 have a decent pass rush for having a bunch of I guess what you would consider no name players. Uh, and their their linebackers have played okay. Their secondary has played pretty well. Uh, they've been dinged up, but it seems like this game is going to be basically determined by the few things I guess you could say in most games that that games are determined by the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, the consistency of the defense, and how well the quarterback plays. You can say that for every for every game that's on this slate, uh, but it's definitely something you have to keep in mind. Does Joe Burrow stay hot? Can Derek Carr continue to put this team on his back? And which one's gonna gonna mess up first? Which one will make the big mistake first? There probably will be turnovers in this game. Joe Burrow proved that he's willing to take risks. Derek Carr is also always willing to take risks. And these teams, in terms of their running back core, have fumbled the football, uh, and not not at an extremely high clip to be that concerned about it. Uh, like Tiki Barber before he held the ball correctly, but. It, it's going to definitely determine this outcome. So uh, D- Darren Waller is going to be a problem uh, for the Raiders, uh, for the Cincinnati playing on the Raiders. Uh, Josh Jacobs looks like he's found his step at the running back position. It seems like that Zay Jones has filled a great role. Hunter Renfro has played well also. So I, I'm really interested to see that this game's going to be made with. It's going to be basically a game of big plays, and I think there's going to be a lot of them. So my pick is in for the parlay. I'm going with the Bengals money line. It's five points. I'm not. I'm not too confident in taking that. I think this game is going to come down to a field goal. The Raiders have been in a lot of those type games, and it seems like based on the way their team's playing and their motivation, this is going to be another one. Uh, so I love the Bengals' money line here. I think the Bengals come out on top. I just don't know by how much, which is why, obviously, I'm taking the money line and not taking the minus five. Next game on the docket, that well, that game was Saturday. I think it was 4:15 kickoff Saturday. Uh, it might be earlier than that. No, I think it is. 415 is is the Raiders uh Bengals game. Uh the next game is the the Saturday night game. The Patriots are at the Bills. This is going to be another game in terms of weather impact. It's going to have a huge impact. Now, if you guys uh, are betting on DraftKings, you guys might have seen that promo, hammer the the hammer the over. For every 5,000 people that bet the over, it goes down. Right now, uh you're they're limiting the amount of money that you can bet in terms of how many people bet it. Uh, so the more people that bet it, the 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 maximum goes down that you can place the bet on it. I got in at a little over twenty five dollars. It's minus one ten, so twenty five wins you forty eight, which is doesn't sound like a big deal. But I'm not I'm no hot shot gambler, uh, so I never bet more than three to five dollars on anything I bet anyway. Uh, but that's a great thing to get into. Honestly, it's at twenty five right now for the over. Remember that they played the first in their first meeting it was in it was ugly weather and the score was 14 to 10 so that's no lock uh similarly this 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 uh hammer the over uh happened but it was in terms of the spread earlier in the season it was actually the first game of the season between the bucks and the cowboys it was the bucks ended up getting plus 75 which was a a, a no brainer there's no way that the bucks lose by 75 or any team loses by 75 points in a game so the weather uh, listen 4 degrees 
four degrees is what it looks like the kickoff time. It's going to be four degrees, 10 to 15 mile an hour wins. This game is going to be determined by running the football. And if you've paid attention to the Buffalo Bills in the last three weeks and you've paid attention to the the New England Patriots the, the entire season, you know that both of these teams are going to try and run the football now. Buffalo identified as a team. I don't know who is going to take responsibility for it. Probably the head coach, to be honest, Sean McDermott, realizing that they could not run the football the first three quarters of the season. They could not do it effectively at all, regardless of if it was with Zach Moss or with Devin Singletary. And then they asked Josh Allen in one game to run for over 100 yards on 15 carries and realized you're putting a target on Josh Allen. That If you lose Josh Allen as, a Buffalo, as the Buffalo Bills organization for any length of time, your team is now not good because Mitch Trubisky is coming in. Josh Allen needs to stay upright. Now, there's an easy way for the Buffalo Bills to do this. Now, is it easy to – it's easy to say, but is it easy to execute? Absolutely not against Bill Belichick, who probably already knows what they're going to try and do. Based on the way Devin Singletary has run the ball in recent weeks – they're going to try and run with Devin Singletary and try and hit big play action plays. And if there's nothing there, Josh Allen's going to run. That is going to be the key to success in getting a victory at home against the New England Patriots. You never want to bet against Belichick. You never want to do it. Mac Jones, his rookie debut in the playoffs. Let's see what we get from Mac Jones. But if Josh Allen has a, a stinker game, it's going to be a similar type game that Mac Jones will have anyway. He, there's been games that Josh Allen's threw for under 150 yards and multiple interceptions this season. Mac Jones has done the same thing. But remember, when we're talking about Mac Jones, we're talking about a, a very high floor and a very low ceiling. Whereas we're, when we're talking about Josh Allen, we're talking about a very high ceiling and possibly a lower floor. So there are two different types of quarterbacks Clearly, Josh Allen is the better quarterback in terms of arm strength, in terms of knowledge of the playbook, and in terms of mobility and being an, an athlete. Josh Allen is the better quarterback, but Bill Belichick is clearly the better coach. Now, it doesn't matter. I love Sean McDermott, and I think he's a great coach, but Bill Belichick is, a, is the best coach in the NFL, probably top three in NFL history. So this game is probably going to be a lower scoring game. Now, is it going to be 14 to 10 again? I don't think so. But these teams are not putting up 30 each in a cold cold weather like this. Josh Allen throws a hard pass. It's going to be harder to catch the ball in the, at the receiver position. You, you can play devil's advocate, say it's going to be harder to tackle. Uh, so running the football might be more effective and score more points. Uh, that's fine. That's a fair take. Uh, but my pick is in. I'm going with the Bills' money line. I don't think the Bills can lose this game, and I think they're more motivated than the Patriots. The Patriots' overall outlook coming into this season with a rookie quarterback was not having the type season that they had with as much success as they as they had. Bill Belichick coached them into 10 wins. I believe they finished with 10 wins. And listen, they had a good season. Mac had a, had the best season out of any rookie quarterback. I just see it. I find it very hard to believe that Mac Jones is going to light everyone up in his first start as a rookie in the playoffs, and he's just going to destroy Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I don't. I'm not comfortable with the minus four right now. It sits at four. Uh, I believe it was at four and a half or could go to four and a half, but I'm not comfortable laying the points. I I am confident in the fact that the Bills will win this football game because Josh Allen's going to show up and they're going to be able to run the ball. And I think they can, I think the, the Patriots defense can be had if you play a very good style of football that changes your, your game plan up throughout the game, which I think that the Bills are capable of doing. So second leg of the parlay, Bills money line. I love that. 
Next on the docket, first game on Sunday, the Eagles are at the Buccaneers. Another weather game. I tried to put all the weather games in a row that were going to be an issue. It is going to be rainy. It is going to be ugly. And it is going to be windy in Tampa Bay for this football game. No no surprise that Tom Brady is probably not is going to be unaffected. The thing that I really want to look at is the Bucks defense and the Eagles offense. So let's start with the Bucks defense. They're softer than people are leading on to believe. Now, are they soft enough to get destroyed on the ground by the Philadelphia Eagles? We don't I don't know the answer to that question and it's probably somewhere in the middle. But the Eagles need to be able to run the football to be successful. Now, Jalen Hurts is still dinged up. He didn't play last week, probably as a precaution. But Gardner Minshew in in daily fantasy right now is getting uh, is pretty high in terms of value. So that leads me to believe that he has a chance to play this week. Now, if Gardner Minshew plays this week, I don't think the Eagles have a chance. If Jalen Hurts plays and they're able to run the football, I think the Eagles have a chance. Not only to cover, but to perform the biggest upset uh, probably of this weekend, if not for one other game that may be a bigger upset. But the Eagles had a great season this season. Like I've talked to before, they outperformed anything. Everyone picked them to finish in the in the basement of this division. They came out, had got 10 wins, 9 or 10 wins this year, and everyone projected them to have 5 or less. Let's see what happens. Let's see who starts for the Eagles to determine what the heck is going to happen in terms of the spread or which team to take. I think the Eagles' defense is going to get picked apart a little bit in the secondary. They do have Darius Slay, but I don't know if that's enough. Tom Brady is missing key pieces, yes, but he's still Tom Brady. So I I think that if, if the Bucks are going to – if this is going to be a close game, the Bucks' defense is going to make it a close game by letting Philadelphia stay around. I just don't believe that with it being in the mid-50s, with a 100% chance of thunderstorms and rain, and the fact that there's going to be 25 to 35-mile-an-hour gusts at this football game, I don't think they're, the, the teams are going to be able to throw often. And I think the offensive line for the Bucks and the defensive line for the Bucks is going to basically determine how many points they win by. I think the Bucks win regardless. I just don't know how close it's going to be. What I do know is the pick is in. I'm going with the under. Uh, under 46, the number's 46. I love the under here. Uh, if the Eagles are not able to run the football, they can't score points. Uh, and and I don't think the Bucks are a team to just let teams score garbage points on defense. So I, I, I see this being a a 24 to 10 game, maybe a 24 to 17 game, but I don't think it gets to that number. And that's the only over under I have in the parlay. So third leg of the parlay is the under in the Eagles Bucks game of 46. Next game is the 4:30 game on on Sunday. Uh, the 49ers are at the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys need to prove that they're a good team. Now everybody's out there in the ether, on the internet, on every sports media show that I've watched. Everyone's talking about how the Cowboys beat bad teams and they haven't performed well. That's all fine and dandy. This is a playoff game in your stadium. Let's go, Dak Prescott. Let's go, Mike McCarthy. Let's go, offensive weapons. On the Cowboys, let's go defense. You, they're going to prove the haters wrong this week, and and it's because I feel like there's too many people that are hopping on the 49ers bandwagon right now, based on the last six games of their regular season. Now, don't get me wrong; the 49ers are a good team. There's a very good chance that Trent Williams does not play. He hasn't practiced all week. Without Trent Williams in there and with the pass rush of the Dallas Cowboys, I think they're able to get to Jimmy G. He's still dealing with the thumb, even though he's not 
technically on the injury report. Jimmy Garoppolo still dealing with that issue with his thumb, and he's going to deal with it. He was able to play through it against the Rams. I think the Rams found out last week that they were going to they were going to win the division based on what was happening in Arizona. Uh, so I think they gave up a little bit towards the end of the game. Uh, the weapons of the 49ers does scare me, uh, especially for my pick in this game. Uh, don't get me wrong. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell at the running back position. And their defensive front seven is good. But the, the 49ers corners are awful. And I've talked about it on multiple podcasts. I've talked about it to multiple people. Your secondary will let you down if they cannot cover people in man-to-man coverage. And it is going to be rough covering C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Cedric Wilson while also trying to contain Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, not to mention Dalton Schultz at the tight end position. So I think there's too many weapons for Dak. I think the offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys is going to tone down the defensive line for the 49ers in this football game. And I think the Cowboys hop out in front early, and I think the 49ers just don't have enough power to get back in it. Now, is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo's fault? We'll see. Uh, they might just not be able to keep up with that type offense. Uh, so if I had to do a side bet that's not my actual bet uh, or my actual pick, I would pick the over in this game. Uh, because I think the Cowboys are going to score early, and I think the potential for the 49ers to score a lot is high as well, uh, based on some inconsistencies on the Dallas defense. But uh, the pick is in. I am 100% going with the Cowboys minus three. I am scared because it's three points that they're going to win by a field goal, and it's going to be a tight game, which I might push. Uh, But pushing is better than losing. Um, So I'm willing to take that chance. And if I take the money line for the Cowboys, I get lesser odds, and I already took two money lines already. So I'm confident that they win by a touchdown. I like that number of three, and I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to get a big win at home. So the fourth leg of the parlay is the Cowboys minus three. Next game is the Sunday night football game. The Steelers are at the Chiefs. Uh, This is actually a kind of weird stat I saw and actually didn't really think about, to be honest. Uh, But this is the first time in the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs era that they are actually playing on wildcard weekend. They've gotten a bye every time. Uh, and that's the Chiefs. They're a high-powered offense that's had defense that's that's good enough to get you wins. And now the defense did play a little bit piss poor last week. They didn't really have much to play for after Tennessee went out and basically shellacked. Actually, no, that game was before it. Never mind. So they did have stuff to play for. They just weren't on a high. They weren't on a high note at the end of the season. Defense had a big play uh, with Nick Bolton returning a fumble 90-some-odd yards. But I, listen, the, the, the Chiefs are a good team. I am scared of the Chiefs every time they play any opponent if I was a fan of that opponent. Uh, it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, their offensive line's playing well. Mahomes looks like he's playing okay right now. It seems like they've been able to run the football with with a bunch of backup running backs with with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being out a, a, a big chunk of the season. So Darrell Williams has been a good sub. Uh, they got that guy Derek Gore, the rookie. He's been a good sub as well, especially with the fact that they can use Meikle Hardman as a running back on swing plays, end around, stuff like that, double reverses. They have a lot of weapons. Now, I bring up the Chiefs' weapons because I don't know where they've been the past few weeks. Travis Kelsey had one good game in the last month of the season. Tyreek Hill has been dealing with with injuries. He was on the COVID list. Tyreek Hill hasn't had a big game in at least a month, if not more than that. And I'm worried about that rust coming into this football game. Now, I'm not worried about the Chiefs losing this game. I don't think there's a chance in hell the Steelers go into into Arrowhead and embarrass the Chiefs and win outright. But I'm worried about Patrick Mahomes and his star players being kind of off. 
I'm just worried about the off. And when you're betting on the game, it's not it's not who's going to win and who's going to lose all the time. It's how close can they get. And and, and listen, uh, on the flip side, I mean, to, to be honest, the Chiefs just beat the Steelers 36 to 10 a few weeks ago. So it, this is a pretty ballsy pick, and and I'm 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 going I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But on the flip side, uh, the Big Ben parade, I've mentioned it before. Uh, Big Ben and Mike Tomlin are going to give everything into this football game. Uh, so a little bit of premonition slash foreshadowing. Uh, Big Ben's going to give everything he has left just in this football game. Uh, because he had a press conference in which he said basically that his team doesn't stand a chance. Uh, you guys are, I encourage you to go li- listen to that press conference. I don't know if Big Ben just loves doing this, uh, but he likes doing this at press conferences before games that the Steelers are picked to be big, huge, huge dogs in. He's like, we don't stand a chance. We're just going to go out and, and have fun. And that might be able to play some sort of mental mental game on the Kansas City Chiefs saying, oh, they're not going to come out and try. Maybe we don't have to either. Uh, so this game, I think, is going to be a lot closer than, than Vegas thinks in terms of the spread that they gave us. So, uh, But Big Ben, he, he's not coming back. He's going to retire at the end of the season. Mike Tomlin, I think, is not going to ever let his team get embarrassed in a playoff game. Uh, so, so the pick is in. I'm going with the Steelers plus 12.5. 12.5 is huge for a playoff game. I don't really understand how it got that high. Basically, probably because the Steelers' offense looks pretty bad right now in terms of being able to throw the ball down the field or have any type of big play. Uh, and the front seven of the Chiefs doesn't make that any easier. As well as the the, the performance of Big Ben uh, and the way the, the fact that they got absolutely shellacked, thirty six to ten, in a game that I don't think Travis Kelsey even played in. So. Uh, I love the Steelers plus 12 and a half here. I think it's way too much to give up, and there's no way I'm taking the Chiefs minus double digits anymore based on the times they've screwed me in a bet. Uh, so the the fifth leg of the fifth leg of the parlay is the Steelers plus 12 and a half. And finally, we've reached the Monday night football game, 815 kickoff. The Cardinals are at the Rams. Uh, the Cardinals' inconsistencies on their team is very scary for anybody out there willing to bet on them. The inconsistencies on defense, their defeat defense decides when they want to show up within a football game. I've watched multiple games where in the first quarter they look good, second quarter they're all right, third quarter they stink, and then fourth quarter they look great again. Uh, the, it, the, the cornerback position has been thin for them. They've been dinged up. Uh, the defensive line hasn't been the same with J.J. Watt missing a lot of time. Now, he probably will play in this game. Uh, but he hasn't played in a while uh, consistently. So how much are you going to get out of him? Are you getting a 70% J.J. Watt? Are you getting an 80% J.J. Watt? What are you getting? I kind of need to know what you're going to get, and you're never going to know for sure, but just to make an assumption, if you haven't played in a few weeks or you've only played a few weeks out of a few months, you're probably going to be a little bit rusty and, and lose a step. So, honestly, I don't really trust the Cardinals. Now, as much as I don't trust the Cardinals, I don't trust the Rams either based on the way Matt Stafford has looked in the second half of the season. Now, he ended up leading the league in interceptions, which I heard and was a little bit weary on. I'm pretty sure it was Trevor Lawrence for like almost the entire season leading the league in, in interceptions. Uh, but Matt Stafford threw a lot of interceptions in the in the past month. A lot. I think it was like eight and four games or, or eight and five games. That's a lot of interceptions. He looks awful in the second half of games. Uh, sorry, in the first half of games and then turns it on in the second half. This is the playoffs. You need to be more consistent. They have a sneaky running game. Sony Michelle, Cam Akers is back now. I know Daryl Henderson's out, uh, but with those two running backs and that offensive line, they should be able to run the football. And against an Arizona Cardinals defense who can give up a, a few big plays on the ground. 
They didn't do it against Dallas, but the few weeks previous and the opponents they played, they've given up a lot on the ground, a lot more than expected uh, based on what this defense was supposed to be at the beginning of the season, which is how they played at the beginning of the season. Well, but it's inconsistent. And Kyler looks off. There's going to be no DeAndre Hopkins. James Conner isn't putting up the production he was at the beginning of the season. So you can't expect that from him if it hasn't been happening towards the end of the season and going into the playoffs. Now, am I saying the Cardinals don't stand a chance? No, absolutely not. But some of these plays, and and, and Kyler seems to be running less except for when he absolutely needs to, and that's a huge impact on how their offense performs. Kyler being mobile puts a lot of strain on a defense. I watched the Vikings linebackers come out of the football game multiple times when they played them in week two because of how much how much responsibility and how much they were running across the field to try and catch that guy. So it just puts so much strain on a defense that the Rams' defense is good, and Aaron Donald's a great player. Uh, Floyd, Leonard Floyd, great player. Jalen Ramsey, great player. They have linebackers that play well. But they've been giving up some as well and some big plays. They gave up a lot to Jimmy Garoppolo. They, they gave up a lot in the run game from the to the 49ers as well. And listen, honestly, the 49ers and the, and, and the, the Rams have similar type teams if they all play to their potential. Uh, Jimmy G can throw the ball to a lot of weapons. Matt Stafford can throw the ball to a lot of weapons. They've got multiple running backs in San Francisco who can run the ball. So do the Rams. And the defense is good, but sometimes they aren't. And those defenses are pretty close to the same. So let's see what we get from Arizona. I'm not expecting as much production from Arizona as I do from Matt Stafford. I think he's going to be out trying to prove the haters wrong. People have been getting in his ear telling him he hasn't played well recently. Well, guess what? He's going to play well. So the pick is in. I am going with the Rams minus three and a half. Right now, it's four. Uh, but I got it at three and a half. I posted this bet or I put this bet in on DraftKings yesterday. So right now it's minus four. A little bit more hesitant, obviously, because it's a higher number, but I'm still confident that the Rams win by a score. Uh, so hopefully that score is a touchdown and not a field goal, which is why that is the sixth leg of the parlay. So let's run through these real quick. Uh, so the six legs of the parlay, number one, first leg is the Bengals money line. Two is the Bills money line. Three is the under in the Tampa Bay Bucks Eagles game of 46. Four is the Cowboys minus three against the 49ers. Five is the Steelers plus 12 and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs. And six is the Cardinals, sorry, is the Rams minus three and a half, which right now you would take as minus four uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, that, I believe, is 26 or 27 to 1 odds. Might be a little bit different depending on what you guys are using as a platform to bet uh, or what day you place your bet. Um, but that's pretty decent odds, 26 to 1 odds. Uh, I think I put 3 bucks on it. $3 wins me like 80, 80 bucks. Uh, so that's a pretty good pretty good refund uh, for, your, for your picks, uh, especially out of Vegas if we get a win. So I'm hoping I can get a win for you guys on the parlay. Oh, but we... So on... Oh, sorry, off of the super wild card matchups and onto the coaching vacancies. So I call this NFL mix and match. I've got a few, I've got a, I picked a head coach. Uh, we're not going to do any GMs today, although that's a pretty interesting conversation we might have next week uh, on the podcast. But I picked every team that has lost their coach and or could possibly lose their coach uh, and picked somebody out in the, out in the coaching carousel, I guess we could call it, a 
of coaches that may be available and or want head coaching jobs and or are pushing to get head coaching jobs uh, for each team. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit why. So let's start our, I guess, the newest segment of the All in Man Cave podcast, the NFL Mix and Match. Number one team that we're going to go over is the Chicago Bears. I believe that they select Brian Flores to be their next coach. The Bears' defense is old. They have a lot of issues within that team that I've read the last few weeks that have been hindering them with Akeem Hicks causing issues that they seem like they're going to let go of some of their veteran linebackers. And they've lost a lot in the secondary. So Khalil Mack probably still going to be there. But Brian Flores, a defensive-minded coach, goes to Chicago. Chicago's a big football, big football city. They expect a lot out of that. And Brian Flores is going to be able to get an offensive coordinator in there. He's going to focus on the defense. And the Bears are only a few players away. They revamped their O-line a little bit. Brian Flores can do that. They can they can get what they need to be more competitive. And they have Justin Fields who's developing. And I know that he likes Justin Fields. He liked Herbert. His The organization decided to give him Tua, uh, which basically ended his reign in Miami. Number two on my list, the Minnesota Vikings will select Doug Peterson as their head coach. I've been going back and forth, and there's a lot of coaches that I would like to have, a, a lot of them that are way better than Mike Zimmer. Uh, but I like Doug Peterson because Doug Peterson is a quarterback guru. The Vikings have a problem, and it's at quarterback. Whether he gets the money, gets the production out of Kirk Cousins, or we bring somebody else in, I think Doug can work his magic. I think he's going to be able to hire a defensive guy uh, to come in and run that defense so that, that Doug can focus on the offensive side of the football, getting us the O-line we need, making sure that we have the playbook that we need to use every solid player on the Minnesota Vikings roster in football games uh, to make sure that we have a better offense in terms of overall productivity uh, and we don't end up losing games because Kirk Cousins can't win them in big primetime spots or just big spots in general. So I think Doug Peterson is the best hire for the Minnesota Vikings. Number three on the list, the Jacksonville Jaguars will hire Eric Bieniemy uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot of negativity coming out of Eric Bieniemy. He should have been a head coaching candidate for multiple years now, the, based on the way the Chiefs have played. Now, there's multiple uh, hindrances for him for the fact that Andy Reid probably calls the plays, uh, and most of it is Andy Reid's offense. They're, they're thinking he doesn't really do much because he doesn't call the plays. However, he can take everything that Andy has taught him and bring that to Jacksonville. He has a very good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, regardless of what you guys think that he is after this season. His season was full of Urban Meyer BS, and also his team played horribly. Uh, so most of that coaching staff is probably going to end up leaving. So Eric Bieniemy has full reign. He's going to make this offense good. He's got James Robinson. They have a few younger guys at the wide receiver position they can build around. Uh, and the offensive line needs to be re rebuilt as well. Not to mention he's also going to be that type of guy that's going to bring in a solid defensive-minded coach uh, so that not the entire team is run by one person, <laughs> Mike Zimmer. Uh, because Mike Zimmer had a hand in the offense and also in the defense, and both ended up being subpar this year. So see how well that worked. Next coaching vacancy is the Houston Texans, who fired David Culley uh, after I released my last podcast. Uh, listen, uh, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the, the for the Buffalo Bills, is going to be, I think, a very good fit in Houston uh, for the Texans. Uh, he's a no BS type guy. They need that in that, that organization, especially with the craziness going on in their upper management. Uh, and, and it's just it's just awful. They are they are a mess. 
I think Brian Dayball comes in. Uh, whatever happens with Deshaun Watson, we have no idea whether he's going to play, whether he's not going to play, or who he would play for if he did. Uh, but Brian Dayball is going to see what that situation is and get somebody in there. There's plenty of quarterbacks that could be on the move. Cough, cough, Kirk Cousins, uh, because I just don't want him on the team. Nah, listen, I, I, I just made a BS day. Listen, I don't know what the Vikings are going to do with Kirk Cousins. I have no idea. But that's a team that would want him and probably pay him what he needs. And, and we're probably going to be over the cap. So uh, let's see what happens. Uh, but Brian Dayball is going to go in. He's done a lot with Josh Allen. That offense looks pretty good. I think he gets some big names in there. Maybe he's able to convince Brandon Cooks to stay and maybe build around Davis Mills. But his offensive genius is good enough for the Houston Texans. And I think that they're going to be able to be a, a way better team with Brian Dayball next season than they have ever could have wished to be this year under David Culley. Next on the list is the Raiders. Technically, Rich Passaccia is the interim coach. Um, but I have... Jim Harbaugh and or Rich Passaccia, depending on what happens to the Raiders in this playoff run. Uh, if Rich Passaccia wins a playoff game or multiple playoff games, he should have a very good chance to be the head coach next season. But if that does not happen and they get embarrassed in the first round, Jim Harbaugh's already been linked to, to Oakland. Sorry, Oakland. I say Oakland like they're still Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, listen, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, is, is kind of nuts. Uh, and by kind of nuts, I mean nuts so if he gets it in his head he's gonna hire somebody he does it look what he did with Gruden uh basically had fake fake interviews with everybody else offered Gruden 10 years 100 million dollars and then just unloaded him because well basically he resigned but would have had to unload him based on all the BS that was happening with Gruden off the field but uh, listen I think Jim Harwell's a good fit I know the last time he came into the league uh he was with the 49ers and it didn't go the way he thought it would go for him and he had some success at college but I think he's inkling to come back in the NFL and I think the the Raiders are a good spot for him next on the list the Broncos will hire Byron Leftwich to be their head coach Byron Leftwich is in the media a lot right now considering Adrian Wilson I think his name is uh the old I, I shouldn't say old the the former safety for the Cardinals is up in the uh, high of VP operation, football operations for the Cardinals right now. They've been linked together as a tandem. Uh, wherever one goes, the other would like to go as well. Uh, but Byron Leftwich has done some great things with Tampa Bay. They've had great uh, development from their younger wide receivers. Their team seems to be get continuously getting better. Now, most of that is to the point of Tom Brady being there. But Byron Leftwich has done a great job. I think he has the opportunity to do, uh, do great things. And I think he's going to take a lot of the stuff he's learned from Bruce Arians, a lot of the stuff that he's learned from Tom Brady, and instituted anywhere. And on a team like the Denver Broncos, who has a loads, loads of young talent at the running back position, at the tight end position, at the wide receiver position, and on defense, I think that's a perfect spot for what would be a first-time head coach and former player in the NFL in Byron Leftwich. Last on my list, the Giants, who just fired Joe Judge as their head coach, also missing a GM as well uh, because uh, Dave Gettleman retired in quotation marks before he got fired. Uh, but the Giants will hire Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Listen, the Packers are, are nothing without Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett. I know Aaron Rodgers is good, uh, but Nathaniel Hackett is revered for his awesome offensive mind. He's a great head coach. Aaron Rodgers talks well about him, uh, which is something Aaron Rodgers doesn't do often, especially to the media or to anyone publicly. 
Uh, so he just deserves a lot of credit for, for A.J. Dillon's development, for the development of Adam, uh, Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as well as the tight end carousel that they've gone through this season. Their offensive line has done well as well uh, with a lot of injuries. They've been able to plug and play a lot of guys. Uh, so I love uh, Nathaniel Hackett going to the Giants. They have some weapons, uh, but he's got to go in there and get the get the BS out of there. Uh, everybody who's not going to buy in needs to get out in, in New York. I know that there's some problem children on that team, uh, but the, he needs to decide what he needs when he gets there, and I think he's going to do that well uh, to make the Giants relevant again considering they've been the worst team in football probably for the past 12 weeks. All right, that's all the open positions filled. I just wanted to go over real quick uh, some of the names that I left out and why. Uh, so four, four coaches on this list of, of coaches I left out. Uh, Kellen Moore, I think Kellen Moore is a little bit inflated. I think uh, his players make him look better than he is. Uh, and he's not as, he's not as innovative of, of an offensive mind as I thought when I first heard people talking about him based on some of the play calls I've seen within football games. Uh, but I think those players are making him look better than he is. So I think he misses out and or stays in Dallas uh, for an offensive coordinator position and or possibly, depending on how this season goes, maybe possibly a head coaching position. The next three are pretty clear. Dan Quinn, we saw what it was like for him to be a head coach. Didn't work out before. He has one solid year with the Dallas Cowboys, and all of a sudden he's now a head coaching candidate. I don't think that's a good idea for any of these teams that need solidarity and need promise, and I don't think Dan Quinn offers that. Next on the list, Leslie Frazier. This one's personal for me. Uh, Leslie Frazier was an awful head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he was a defensive-minded guy. I think currently he's in Buffalo. Uh, man, manning that defense, but I think he needs to stay a defensive coordinator. Our offense was awful. He did similar things to to Mike Zimmer in terms of focusing on the defense and letting the offense kind of go by the wayside. I, I I don't think it's a good idea. I saw the Leslie Frazier project. I don't think it's a good idea for him to get involved in a head coaching job. I think he just stays a defensive coordinator and keeps himself relevant. Uh, and a top defensive coordinator of the league, probably. But he won't be that if he's a head coach. And lastly on the list, Josh McDaniels. Uh, Josh McDaniels is linked to the Minnesota Vikings in terms of an interviewee for the job. He said he was going to go to the Colts. He ended up backing out of that deal. Uh, and then going back to the Patriots, we saw him as a head coach for the Broncos. That did not work out well. He seems like he only performs when he's with Belichick, uh, which means Belichick probably deserves most of the credit for what he's done. Uh, he's done good things with the, with the offense in New England, with Mac Jones's development, with the running game, with the offensive line. But I don't think Josh McDaniels needs to go to any of these teams and basically turn them into the Broncos when he was there. And that's a, a backward step or a horizontal step for these teams that are trying to ascend into uh, being a very good team in the NFL. All right, guys, that's it. A little bit shorter of a pod this time. Uh, but hopefully everybody's able to watch most of these games this weekend. Uh, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. I am off on Monday, uh, but I will talk to you guys on Tuesday. We'll go over everything from Wild Card Weekend, all the big stuff, all the big takeaways, uh, and all the things that are interesting from all of these games. Uh, but we'll have that for the recap podcast of Wild Card Weekend, which will come out next Tuesday. Um, but it is 4.43 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we are going to wrap up this podcast. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend trying to get stuff done. 
uh, which is why I'm doing the two podcasts a week versus the three. Uh, plus, there's less less and less content. Uh, but if anything crazy comes comes to mind and I'm going to release a podcast, I will just throw one out there uh, between Tuesday and Friday or between Friday and Tuesday, either or. Um, but I hope you guys will add me or follow me on Twitter at All In Man Cave Pod. Send me a friend request on Facebook, which a few of you already have from all around the world. Uh, Cole Hate, C O L E H A Y D T. D as in dog, T as in Tom. Also, remember you can find the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and plenty other places that podcasts are found. Everybody have a relaxing weekend. This is the All in Man Cave podcast. Cole Hate signing off. And like I always say, peace.